0: Hey, welcome, everybody. I'm Nitsan Mosry, the Traveling Investor, and we're here today with another edition of the Traveling Investor Show live on Facebook and YouTube. And this is where you're going to learn how to master your mind, body, and wallet. And before I forget, let's say hi to Master Yoda behind me. This is a -a one-of-a-kind piece that was painted by Agatha Ren, and it was made just for me because I love what he says, his motto. And we all know what he says to Luke Skywalker, right? Do or do not, there is no try, and that's how I live my life, and that's how I raise my children. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Just like Nike says, just do it. And today we've got a great guest on the show Uh, someone who I've gotten to know very well throughout the past few years, done some business with them, continuously doing business with them. He's running a successful real estate company, and he's just a great guy. And he had a newborn baby as well, and we're going to learn a lot about him. Um, And uh, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on the show. His name is Adam Balsinger, and he's a real estate entrepreneur and the co-founder of two, not one, but two thriving real estate companies one is called north south llc and the other one is called three oaks management llc and he's one of the oaks from those three oaks his uh, adam's integrity and unwavering persistence combined with his personal mission to benefit everyone with whom he comes into contact have led to the growth of both businesses adam what's happening my friend how are you
1: I am exceptionally well today. Nitsan, thanks so much for the great introduction. You may in fact hear that little baby screaming. Uh, She, I just heard her in uh, the other room. So. That's awesome. How old is she now? She will be six months old on Sunday. Six months old. Wow.
0: That's a beautiful age, man. That's when they just love you and giggle and, and just want all the attention.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, every time she wakes up, there's a big, enormous smile on her face. So isn't that great? uh, It's been a lot of fun. She's our first, as you know. Uh, So you know, I'm I'm sure things. You know, ask me in like I guess what like 12 years how I feel, and it might be it might be a little different. But uh, so far, being a dad has been awesome. Really, really fun. Fantastic.
0: When was she born? You said six
1: months ago, right? So we're what? That's November, October yeah, so uh, September 20th was the day that she was born. It was actually the the anticipated due date, 9 20 uh, 2020, which is kind of ironic, right? And uh, my wife and I actually got married on 918. so it should make it easy for me to remember both of those, Wow, which is always good because I stink when it comes to to remembering <laughs> dates.
0: That's great. But your wife and you weren't married two days before she was born.
1: That is correct. We were married, uh, I, two years, two years and two days. Uh, uh, okay. I to that for a second. <laughs> no, actually, so we got married on nine eighteen eighteen, and then the baby was born on nine twenty twenty. Ah, that's awesome. That's yeah. great.
0: Easy numbers to remember, man. Easy numbers.
1: Hopefully, yeah. There's problems, right? If I can't remember those, I got I got bigger issues.
0: Absolutely. So my my oldest daughter was born, uh. September eighth, and my youngest daughter was born August eleventh. So I I always confuse them, you know. I'm like, oh, September eleventh,
1: like, yeah, you know,
0: September eleventh, definitely not September. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? What were you doing before um, you started your real estate business, and and
1: what led you into the real estate world? Uh, yeah, so I've kind of really always had a a entrepreneurial spirit, um, right out of college. So I'm from the greater Philadelphia area. I live with my family now in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I went to Penn state university when I graduated from Penn state, I had really no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I know, you know, both my parents worked um, you know, I I led a really comfortable, great uh childhood, you know, kind of middle class, upper middle class. Uh, you know, my dad was in finance and accounting, my mom was a, a school teacher, elementary school teacher. Um, and things were great, but they both kind of hated their jobs. Mm. So I never really, you know, I was always kind of envious growing up of the kids that that knew exactly what they wanted to do. Like, I wanna be whatever. I just was kind of always like, Well, I, I like want to make a lot of money and, uh, you know, I don't really want to work. I don't want to like hate my job. That's was kind of all I knew. Right. So, you know, I studied marketing, uh, you know, business just made sense to me in terms of, of what I wanted to pursue. Um, but you know, I I could have picked any of the majors, like it didn't really make much of a difference, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got started. My first job out of college was in sales. Um, I just stumbled into a, a place, you know, I, I kind of with my degree, I wanted to be like making the funny Budweiser commercials that aired during the Super Bowl. You know, that's what I kind of envisioned with my marketing degree. Right. And, um, you know, at the time, I graduated in 06. And it was like to get an, an entry level marketing job, you needed marketing or sales experience. So it was weird. It was like, well, you know, entry level, isn't that supposed to be no experience? So I wound up kind of pursuing sales, not because I wanted to, but because I kind of needed sales experience to get a marketing job. Hmm. So, um, you know, I interviewed at this place um, and I knew nothing really about what the company was doing. They were like selling for like Verizon. Um, But the woman that ran the company was a, you know, mid to late 20s, um, you know, woman. Seemed like really confident. Seemed like she really had her her you know uh, act together. I'll watch my language here since we're live. Um, so she just was really like this impressive young businesswoman, and so I figured like I don't really know what I'm doing, but she like has it together, and so she you know let's see what I can do. And so I wound up my very first job. I was selling um, phone and internet service door to door residentially um cold calling totally commission-based um and i sucked at it i was not good um so you know i learned it got consistent in it after a while i wound up moving to new york with that business um fast forward about two years um, I wound up opening a uh, essentially the exact same business where I was representing Verizon and I built a team and we were going out and doing sales for them residentially. Um, that business wound up taking me to Detroit where I was representing AT&T. Uh, I then moved to Chicago where I was representing uh, Quill, which is an office subsidiary or a warehouse subsidiary of Staples. Um, so we were selling office supplies, business to business. Um, I represented Culligan for a little while selling water filtration systems business to business. Uh, and then I also represented a, a regional energy supplier. We were selling electricity business to business. Um, so all kinds of different sales, you know, team building, entrepreneurial business building experience with that. Um, at one point, we were the number one vendor in the country. Um, I had over 35 sales reps trudging around Chicago in February on commission. Uh, if you've ever been to Chicago in February, it's miserable. It uh, is. You like choke on cold air as the wind comes off Lake Michigan. Like it is brutally cold there. Um, I shut that business down after a while cause I just never really saw much of an out. Um, you know, I was the business. And I was twenty four seven. You know, I didn't really know too many people because I had moved so much with the business. The people I hung out with outside of work um, were the people that worked for me. So it was like even when I was out, I was like Adam, the guy that like they worked for. Um, so I got I got kind of burned out. Um, shut that business down. Worked for a couple different companies here and there, but I never really. You know, after you run your own company for a while, like going and getting pigeonholed into one role, working for somebody else. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And so I was always trying to figure out what my next move was going to be. And um, I had, while I lived in Chicago, kind of developed the real estate bug because um, my one landlord had, I found out, bought this house from uh, an older lady and he converted it into four bi-level, um, three-bedroom, two-bath apartment units. I was there with um, two guys that I had worked with renting. Um, I took out my landlord to lunch and was just like, explain this to me. How does this work? How did you find this place? How did this all, you know? So, you know, he kind of walked me through everything and ever from that point on I was, I was really interested in real estate and then the flipping house TV shows like started to gain popularity. I was always watching those. Um, so, I wound up moving back to Pennsylvania. Um, I was selling software for um, for an um, applicant tracking system, CRM company, and uh, I wound up investing in a house flipping guru uh, training, right, like 30K, um, to go on a bus tour and learn how to flip houses. Oh, wow. and uh, you know, of course, it's made the sound it's going to be so like super easy, you know, c- give me 30 grand and like you're going to be you know, a millionaire house flipper in a year. And, uh, you know, it didn't work that way, obviously. Um, you know, I flipped houses for about three years. Um, I never like I always had trouble doing enough volume to make like really like real money doing it. You know, I was paying bills, um, but I wasn't setting the world on fire and I was working a ton. Like a ton, and um, you know the struggle was always finding enough good deals to be able to to flip. And so, you know, I managed construction. I, I GC'd our own projects for an entire year, um, trying to save a little bit of money on the construction in order to be able to do more, um, save money. But I spent like all my time running to Home Depot and Lowe's and picking out materials and. Um, You know, run into the ATM to pay the guys in cash because they didn't have bank accounts. I couldn't cut them a check, like just crazy stuff. Um, And so, you know, I decided that that wasn't the way to do more volume after a year. Um, And then I started doing some direct to seller marketing, Um, you know, direct mail, um, bandit signs, stuff like that. And then the idea was really that I was just going to feed my own fix and flip machine. -hmm. And um, got a couple leads. I didn't really like to, uh, you know, as uh, flips for me. So I had I had bought from wholesalers before, so I knew that I could assign the contract. So I figured, all right, well, let's just monetize these and move on. And um, my first wholesale deal was horrible. Uh, I made like four hundred and seventy some dollars. Like it was pathetic. It was so. Need time. Get this right. So my end buyer was arrested leading up prior to the settlement date. So oh I'm wow. calling this guy left and right like titles finally ready, right? And I'm like calling and calling, I can't get a hold of the guy, I can't get a hold of the guy. I don't even remember how this happened that I found out that he had been arrested. So somehow I got in touch with his sister who put me in touch with his mother. We had to get this guy while in prison um, to sign power of attorney docs so that his mother could get money out of his bank account. Um, and then sign on the settlement docs for him. Oh, wow. And I did all that for less than 500 bucks. Like just <laughs> such a train wreck. Um, two or three deals later, I did a $30,000, um, wholesale deal off of a bandit sign. And to this day, it was probably the easiest deal I've ever done. Like piece of cake. Um, you know, got on the phone, super motivated um great you know like uh, you know sunshine came down right um and at the time i was trying to make 30 to 40k on a fix and flip and um you know philadelphia like homes were built really long ago in most instances philly's an old city mm-hmm. so a lot of times we were doing gut renovations um you know you're talking a six seven eight nine month project to, to maybe make you know 30 40 grand Um, And so the fact that I was able to do that on a wholesale deal in like 35 days, um, it was just, okay, I'm shifting the business totally towards wholesale. And, um, you know, it's easier said than done. It took, uh, you know, several years to get to the point where, and I'm still not totally there. um, I'm getting closer and closer to being more hands off on that business. Um, I I really, with the way that things are going right now, I I really envision by the end of this year, then I'll be able to be, you know, maybe five hours a week in that business. And that business will really, the team that we've been able to put in place, I think we'll we'll be able to run it. Um, But so, you know, the whole reason I was doing all this was not to do wholesales forever or do fix and flips forever. It was to stack cash and then buy rental real estate, Um, income producing property. Right. I wanted to be the guy that I was renting from when I was like 26 um, or 24 or whatever. Um, so I had built up a portfolio of about 18 doors, like single families, a duplex, two triplexes, and I'm thinking, you know, 18 doors you're going to make, you know, we're thinking about, you know, rents, give or take are different, but we're thinking that we're going to make a couple hundred bucks per door. And, you know, I'm thinking going into it, a portfolio of like 30 doors and I'm, I'm like straight. Financial freedom, here I am, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's not the case, man. Uh, You know, when you have notes on properties and you're refinancing, pulling out to go buy more, and then you've got unexpected, you know, crap that comes up, and oh, we got to replace this roof and this boiler went and blah, 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 blah. Um, So it was just like, holy crap, man, I'm going to need like, a hundred and I'm going to need like 300 of these in order to really be financially free. And I'm going to be dead by the time I can get to that point. Right? Like talk about the slow road to financial freedom. I used to say like I'll be 65 and retired by the time I'm able to retire with real estate. And so it just didn't make any sense doing it that way. Um, You know, I still was a really firm believer in real estate as a wealth building vehicle. And, and the correct avenue for me to financial freedom, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a coder. I don't know how to, you know, like develop an app or whatever, I'm not super creative, but I can take something, learn how to do it once and then just regurgitate that thing, at infiniti- you know, at infinity. Um, so it really just became about like, how do I scale this? How do I, how do I buy bigger properties? How do I do this faster? And that led me to multifamily apartments. Um, you know, I invested in another guru program. I'm dude, I'm easily six figures in real estate education, like no joke. Um, I have like my master's degree in real estate guru programs. Um, let, me
0: ask, let me ask you something. So, so you said you're, you're, you're six figures into the real estate education, right? Mm-hmm. But this is an education that feeds you, that gives you an actual return on your investment. Right. It's not like a lot of these college degrees where you go to college, you spend a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, you walk out and you're flipping burgers. Mm -hmm. Right. This is an education that you can actually go out and use day one and make money. Yep. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I I think there's a a lot of people that paid for that guru program that are currently flipping burgers today. You know, um, Sure, not think, everybody's
0: gonna go out and take action and, and and do what they're told to do, right? I was
1: just gonna say I think I think the biggest thing, um, you know, because I talked I, I run a meetup here in Charlotte for for multifamily. Um, and so many people are like, Well, what do I do? How do I get started? What do I do this? And and I think the biggest difference needs from from people that I've seen come into real estate and do well, people that have just spun their wheels and never never done anything is just the the ability you nailed it, man. It's it's taking action. It's the willingness to fall on your face and not have it prevent you from getting up and continuing to push forward. Like it sounds so silly, but I really believe that's the, that's the big differentiator between people that become wildly successful in not only real estate, but really any business that somebody would choose to run. Um, I think a, a totally like defining characteristic of the successful small business owner or entrepreneur is just the willingness to look dumb and say, I know that I don't know everything, but I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I think it was you one time that said at an event that I was at that the true definition of an entrepreneur is somebody that jumps off of a cliff and worries about how they're going to build the plane like on the way down.
0: On the way down. That's right. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what entrepreneurship is, right? Uh, Chris Sanchez yep. says, great content. Thank you both for taking your time to spread such u- useful information. Well, hey, Chris, thanks for listening. And we appreciate that. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, but, but, just but it's me, true. Chris just bought me dinner when I was down in Atlanta on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But it's true, right? Um, <clears throat> entrepreneurship is just exactly what you said, right? It's, it's the ability to remove the ego, to say, I don't know, and it's okay to make mistakes, right? You know, um, Rocky Balboa, right, in one of his movies where he's talking to his kid, he goes, you know, one of one of the great lines of, of the movies is, you know, he goes, Nothing is gonna hit you harder than life. Yep. But it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's being able to get back up and to continue moving forward, right? Yep. Because you've got knocked down, I got knocked down, people laugh at us, people told us we weren't going to be successful, what are you doing, don't spend money over there, they're just going to rip you off. We heard all of that BS running in the background of our heads and our voices, but we held strong to our guns and we said, you know what, I'm going to continue moving forward. Right. In in my case, right. I don't have. You know, you you graduated from from Penn State. I never graduated college. I went to college. I partied in college. I never graduated, right. So I don't have anything to fall back on. This is what I do, right. And and you you gotta go in at it a hundred percent and not worry about what anybody else is gonna say or, or think, right. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, Saket here who says uh, entrepreneurship is keeping the ego strong while falling on the face. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, so. so the time but, my
1: hair to do this is all the times <laughs> I fell on my face.
0: <laughs> Humble arrogance. Absolutely. Thank you, yeah, Saket. Yeah. So, so, all right. So let's, let's talk about. You know you said you said a couple of things that i want to dive into a little bit more right for people that are just getting started in real estate and you know they're looking to wholesale they're looking to get into multifamily, because it doesn't matter what part of real estate you're in if you're wholesaling if you're fix and flip if you're doing multi-family self-storage or whatnot you can make a lot of money. There's a lot of shiny pennies, right? And what I've noticed also is that when someone starts, they do one or two wholesale deals, and oh, I'm going to go flip a house. Oh, I'm going to buy a multifamily. Oh, I'm going to do this, and and they're never really becoming the expert in one thing. And what I liked about what you said was that um, your company, North South LLC, your your wholesaling company, which uh, you know you founded six years ago, right? You kind of went, you kind of fell into it, right? You kind of learned as you went along. Mm-hmm. What and and now you're looking. You said you know, which is awesome. That by the end of this year, you want to be able to put you know, you're going to be putting maybe five hours a week into this company that's reaping you a lot of rewards. What are some of the systems and processes, or what did you learn, or and how did you learn, or let I me mean, let me rephrase it. What was it that you learned about your business that was able to take you from a place where it was just you to now going. I'm going to be hands off. What was that process? What What can you share with our listeners that, that helped you go that route?
1: It was painful. <laughs> right. uh, so I like, I'm, I'm a stubborn person. So, and, and I, that's probably a trait that a lot of successful entrepreneurs have, you know, is because we have this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it covered. I'll mm-hmm. figure it out. I don't like, you told me not to dabble in all these 17 different forms of marketing, but like I'm smart and you're clearly an idiot. Like I'll, I'll figure it out. Right. Um, so I made, probably every mistake on the, in, in the book. Um, I think that if I had to boil it down to some of the biggest things, um, some of the biggest mistakes that, that we had made, it was really just not sticking to one thing and perfecting it before trying to add something else on. So, and so what I mean by that is specifically relates to marketing. So wholesaling is really not even a real estate business. It's a marketing and sales business. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're constantly marketing to get in front of um, what we hope to be motivated sellers. So we're typically targeting lists that are likely to have some sort of distress, Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: in the assumption that somebody in distress will be motivated. It doesn't always work like that. We've run into people that are about to lose their house to tax sale in three days that could not be less motivated. Um, it happens, um, you know, like distress does not equal motivation and motivation does not always equal distress. Um, which I had to learn along the way. But so, you know, initially we had done a little bit of direct mail and a little bit of bandit signs and a little bit of cold calling and ringless voicemail and SMS text messaging and trying to do SEO. And what happened was we really just wound up spreading ourselves too thin and we didn't allow ourselves to really master any one of those marketing channels. So um, what we do right now is we focus on direct mail, ringless voicemail, and we recently started doing some cold calling again, Um, but we had to like turn off all those other channels and say, okay, let's really look at what the data is telling us. So we know now if we send out x amount of mailers that that's going to generate y amount of inbound leads which as you work your way down it's just a large it's just a funnel right Mm -hmm. but if you're dabbling in this channel and then this channel and then this channel you net you don't have enough data to really know what your numbers are and so you're constantly like blind throwing darts and so that was a huge benefit for us was just sticking to one thing figuring out the KPIs and then you just reverse engineer, right? It's just becomes like a algebra one equation. It's not like you don't have to be great at math. This is like seventh grade math to figure this out. You know, if I want to make X and I know that each deal makes me Y, you know, why you know, whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, that's how you figure it out. And so that's that's really what we wound up doing. And then it just it's just a matter of systemizing those things. Um, I'm not really a great system person um, mm-hmm. by nature. I, I, I really uh, every time it was time to try to systemize something, I would get like creative avoidance. And I would come up with all these other things that were bigger priorities that I would then justify in my mind as to why I needed to do this right now instead of the systems, because I don't naturally like it. Um, So once I kind of forced myself to to do that um, and then build out some systems around it and then delegate those systems out, um, those were some of the really big things that got us to the point. So we have two virtual assistants that basically run our entire marketing Um, you know, I'm really just, Hey, where are we at with leads? Are we, do we have enough? Do I need to buy another list? Like, what's that look like? Um, but they are the ones that they manage the lists. They put the direct mail stuff together. They're doing the ringless voicemail stuff. I don't even touch that stuff.
0: Mm, Okay. That's awesome. So you got other people, so you're leveraging other people's time and energy and skill set to do that. Right. So it's like now you've got, you know, instead of you just working 40 hours a week, you've got two other people working 40 hours a week so it's like you're working 80 hours a week mm-hmm. getting double the work
1: done with less time to do it yep yeah and it's, right. it's funny because i see he has another question here um but sakit or saket i'm not sure sorry if i'm butchering your name here um but he had mentioned it's like it's you know ego right mm-hmm. so i think one thing that people get stuck in is like oh Nobody's going to do it like as good as I'm going to do it, right? Which is such a ridiculous, egotistical thing to think that nobody can do any, something as good as you can, right? Right. Um, but even if it's true, even if it's true, the goal isn't for you to do everything in your business, at least not the way I want to run my business. I want my business to serve me. I don't want to be a slave to mm-hmm. this thing that I've created, Right. Um, I want to be able to take vacation for three months and know that revenue was still going to come in. Um, So Mr. W. Okay, cool. I got it. Um, But so what you call it. even if it's right and somebody that you hire can only do 70% of what you're able to do, it frees up so much additional time for you to do other things. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, okay, so just hire two people and then you're at 140% of what you can do and you don't have to do it. That's right. That's right. There's a saying, 80% is good enough. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And, and, and like you said, for, for, for you to, for someone to think that people can't do better than them, I'm just the opposite. I'm going, who can I bring on my team that can do this way better than me? Yeah. Right? Because Lord knows I'm not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. Right? I'm not the shiniest penny in the, in the collection. Mm-hmm. I need people around me. Right? I want to surround myself with people that are better at marketing, that are better at sales, that are better at underwriting, better at you know investor relations, better at doing all these things yep. than I am so that... They can do all that, and then all we have to do is kind of manage them, make sure everything is running smoothly, Yeah, right? Then you can free up your time, and you can go and play with your newborn kid, hang out with the wife, hang out with the kids, travel, do whatever it is you want to do. And that, to me, is the true definition of wealth, Yeah. right? Being able to do what you want with your
1: time, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think it's important that people realize that that doesn't happen overnight, right? right. Like, so I, I think uh, – a lot of people have this really bad like this really really damaging misconception of what being a a business owner and an entrepreneur is really like you know a lot of people see the end result they see the successful entrepreneur they see the elons of the world and they think that he just like rolled out of bed that way um you know if you hear him talk he talks about the years of sacrifice and struggle and working 18 hour days and he's he's even said on social um, recently that you know he still works like 18 hours a day sure Um, so you know people think that it's going to be like that and it happens overnight it doesn't but It it doesn't really matter how long it takes, you know, I'm seven years in and and really kind of I feel like just now starting to get to the point where I can see a light at the end of the tunnel in Mm -hmm. one of those businesses. And I am a a glutton for punishment. Apparently I decided to run, too. Right. (laughs) Um, But so it, it doesn't happen overnight and people have to be okay with the fact that they may struggle like you may be eating ramen noodles. A lot sure. for sure. like a year or two in there. And you may have to work, you know, 16, 18 hour days to figure it out. But, you know, as long as you get to that point, to me, even if it took me 20 years to get to that point, you know, I'm if I started at 30 and by 50, I can be like, OK, cool. That's still 15 years ahead of what the typical person is is dealing with. Sure. And that's that assuming that. You're building, you're building your, your empire. Yep.
0: You're not doing it for somebody else. You're doing it for you. Exactly. Um, Let's look at what uh, Mr. W let's look at his question. He goes, what different ways do you handle day to day operations of multifamily?
1: So um, we hire third party property managers um, always. So, Even like I still own, I mentioned I had 18 doors. I still have 11. I've sold off several of them. Um, You know, I have a third party property manager for those properties. Uh, Our multifamily deals, we've closed three um, since September of 2019. A 92 unit, a 48 unit and a 64 unit most recently. Actually, Nitsan, you're very familiar with it, right? We partnered up on that deal. That was just last month in Charlotte. Um, And in every one of those instances, we have a um, third party professional property management company. Now, there are different companies that are going to manage a single family versus are going to are going to manage a multifamily property. And we really, really, really vet our property managers. I mean, especially on the multifamily side. Um, you know, a property manager can make or break your deal, whether it's a single family or whether it's, you know, a 500 unit apartment complex. Mm -hmm. So you've got to make sure you're really doing your due diligence and you're asking all the questions to make sure that you know how they're going to handle things. Um, You know, the questions, the due diligence becomes a lot more uh, detailed in the bigger properties. Um, you know, we, we have like a 90 question interview that we put a property manager through before we hire them. I'm not going to Google normally either to to search for professional property management companies. We're generally having them referred to us um, by other uh, professionals in the industry, whether it's the commercial real estate broker, whether it's a mortgage broker, Um, you know, we're looking for um, recommendations from people who have had good experiences before. Sure. That's
0: the, that's one of the best ways to find, you know, it, it, it cuts the learning curve. Cause like you said, if you put a bad property management company or bad property manager on your property, you know, they can drive that property down to the ground within three months. And then you're, you're, you're kind of left with a property that could have been successful, could have been a good property with a piece of junk right now, because that person that was running it didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, you got to be careful, you know, day to day. And, and, and even though, right. So we, you know, when we, even though we have a third party management company, uh, we speak to them daily, almost right, and we have our MMR report, which is a Monday morning report, which is a very detailed report that every property manager fills out and sends to us Sunday night, so that we can review Monday, so that we can get on the call and go over exactly what's going on. You don't want to wait a month or two months to figure out something's wrong because by that time, it's just it's too late. You're already too deep into that into that uh, problem where you could have cut it off easily a week into it rather than three, four weeks into it. Um, Mr. W has another question. Does the check come in the property management name? Which check? Are you talking about the rental checks or uh, or which checks are you talking about? He's got another one. He goes, how does the property management withdraw its fees and expenses for the property?
1: Well, want to answer that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, everything goes into an operating account, right. And then everything is handled from there. I personally don't handle that side of the business for our company. So, um, you know, if you're out there and you're listening to this, um, and you're thinking that you're going to do, you know, a lot of large multifamily properties by yourself, um, you you can um, I find that I'm good at at certain things and I'm not good at other things. So Nitin had mentioned I'm one of three oaks. I have two business partners. Um, you know, so I'm really on the investor relations side of things. Um, I am the essentially the face of our business from a branding and from a marketing perspective. So you know, if somebody is interested in potentially Uh, passively investing in one of our deals with us, I'm the person that they're going to talk to. Uh, I do not handle the asset management. Um, So I am on a lot of those uh, weekly phone calls that we have with our property manager, but I'm not in the weeds, uh, Mr. W, as to what's happening there at the property level on a regular basis. I'm more of like some, some, some crap hit the fan and we need to figure out some problem solving, right? Um, that's me. I'm I'm more of like I, I consider myself to be more of a visionary. If you're familiar with the book Traction and Geno Wickman, um, that's that's kind of the value that I'm able to bring. Um, our part, my partner Charles would be able to to answer that question in and out. Um, so Nisan, you may have a better understanding of of how that all works. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, the property management company opens up a specific bank account for your property. It's the operating account, like you said. Mm -hmm. Rent is being deposited into that account. And all the expenses for the property are being deducted and, and paid from that operating account. And when there's money left over, then the property manager swipes that account, wires the funds into our holding account, right? And then we distribute those funds to our investors on a quarterly basis. So that's how they do it uh they do it at the end of the month they take their fees out at the end of the month once they have all the collections for that month and they say okay this is how much we've collected this was the gross amount and then they deduct it and then they calculate their fees and they take it usually depending on the size of the property right if you're doing an under 50 unit property uh there'll be a set fee right they'll say maybe three thousand or four thousand dollars or it'll be a minimum of 3000 and then if there's income that is greater, then they'll take the greater of that 3000 Above 50 units, there's usually a 3 or 4% fee. Sometimes in the smaller units, that fee might be even higher. And if it's not a set fee, it could be a 7% management fee or an 8% management fee. You want to be careful, though, because when you're underwriting it and you're presenting it to your lender to get the loan, the lender will look at your underwriting and they'll say, wow, you're paying a lot. For your management fees. Uh, We're not going to cut that. We're not going to loan you money because your fees are too high. You need to drop that down. So you got to be careful as well with the amount of money that you're paying to your management company. Okay. Because the lender always wants to make sure that there's enough money to pay the debt. And if you're paying a lot out to the management company, there might not be enough to pay the debt. So you want to keep a close eye on that. Right. So you were talking about Three Oaks Management, right? So Three Oaks is your multifamily syndication business, uh, which you said you you founded that three years ago, right? Um, How did you pick your team members
1: for that? That's a really good question. It's a really, really important thing um, for anybody out there that is thinking about going into business with somebody else or having a partner. Um, You know, I think the natural... Naturally, we're drawn to people that we have similarities with, right? Similar personalities. Um, but a lot of times, if you have a really similar personality with somebody, uh, you have a lot of similar strengths and weaknesses. Um, so, you know, if you are like a type A person or, or for the, those of your listeners that are familiar with like the DISC profile, uh, which is a, a personality assessment that, you know, Tony Robbins like loves, right? Uh, and you can actually get it for free on his website. But, um, so I am super high on D right. I am a driver. And so, um, I don't work really well from like a business partnership perspective with other drivers because we have the same strengths. It means we have the same weaknesses. Um, so my partner in my, in my wholesaling business, um, we're great friends. We both have a lot of that D driver in us. Um, which I think if I had picked a business partner that had, um, strengths to offset my weaknesses, we'd probably be further in that business than we are right now, because the same stuff that I don't want to do, he doesn't want to do either. (laughs) So, um, so, but through that experience, Nitsan, I learned that in looking for a partner, you have to find that yin to your yang, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, Charles, is one of my my three partners and i think that he is totally opposite for me in a lot of instances charles is like a numbers guy i want to throw up that's a it's an exaggeration um but i don't want to sit and play in spreadsheets i can do it um, if i need to but i don't want to And so that's something that's really important for people to understand, because if if you don't like doing something, you will inevitably have creative avoidance. You will find other things that you like doing and you will justify it in your own mind and convince yourself. We're really good at doing this as people convincing ourselves that we should be doing something that we shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, So so I saw that in Charles um our third partner is uh my dad actually wayne he and i have been doing real estate together um for years now so um you know we had wanted to do business together for forever and this was a really great fit he was kind of winding down his nine to five he had been a cfo and, and cpa um so you know as i mentioned i'm really marketing uh investor relations that's me charles is, handles the acquisitions um, as well as the asset management. And then my dad, Wayne, does the accounting, takes care of the books, the budgeting, and then he's also the final review of all of our underwriting. Um, so we feel like we've got a lot of, uh, you know, we've got a lot of the boxes checked here. Um, you know, one of us is good at, at basically any of those items. And so we've we've designated and designed the roles um, to line up with what we are all good at.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's that's a that's that's great that's great information, you know. And it's funny because my business partner and I, Laura, who you know, right, we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of the same way. I'm kind of like you, right? I'm the driven guy, I'm the face, I'm I'm the guy that's doing the the shows, mm-hmm. right? That that has got the you know the, the whole thing out there. Um, I can do spreadsheets just like you, you know. We're not I'm not saying we're we're I'm an idiot or whatnot. I can do spreadsheets, I can underwrite a property, I can do all that. I don't like to do that. I will procrastinate doing that. So I found myself a business partner who has a double masters in economics. Well, uh, that says it right there. She loves numbers. She loves spreadsheets. And not only that, but she can work a spreadsheet like nobody's business, yeah. right? She put together our business model, in know, our, our spreadsheet, our for underwriting, and and I'm like, that just blows me away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this sheet connects to that sheet, connects to that. So you click on a button over here and it'll transform these numbers and it'll do all these different things. And it just blows my mind how somebody can actually sit down and and just do that work. You know, I call that ant work, you know, like little tiny ants, just that little detail. Drives me bonkers, right? I'm, I'm the big,
1: I'm the big got... picture
0: kind of person, right? Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: dude, me too. It's like, it's like your Yoda. They're, they're like... um Jedi master spreadsheet worker. And I'm like, they're like incant incantate. And I'm like, what? I'm trying, hey, how do I do this with the spreadsheet? I've got the, I want to separate the information in the cells. And like I'm banging my head against the wall. Oh yeah, just it's it's this thing and this formula. And I'm like, okay. Right?
0: It blows my mind. It's like, how did you, how did you learn to do that? And Wendy says, Oh, come on, spreadsheets are fun. And they are fun. For if, some, doing you know. them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you like doing them right <laughs> but, well it's like you know because some people so like okay my dad right would never want to get on something like this like you want me to be the face of the company right. like no i have no interest in doing that no i'm not doing that forget it All right mm-hmm. exactly exactly
0: so when finding your partner right it's always good to take inventory of yourself first right finding out what you like to do. That's, you know, that's key. What do I like to do? Forget what I'm I'm good at. What am I not good at? What do I like to do? Right. Mm -hmm. What part of the business do I want to be involved in? Then you can say, well, am I good at that? Okay. Well, you know what? I'm not that good at it. So maybe I should find something that I'm good at doing and get really good at it and start enjoying it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then find out what other pieces of the puzzle you're missing and go out and find those people that can fill in those gaps for you. And then you can and then you have a nice, strong company, a business, a team that you can really move forward in, move forward with and and and, and know that nothing is going to fall through the gaps. You mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, you know, Laura, my partner, she'll read the um, there's the uh, disk assessment. There you go. There it is. Um, You know. She'll read the PPMs. She'll read the subscription agreement. She's like, "Well, there's a dot missing on the I, and that word was uh, was missing." And we need to do this. I'm going, "Wow, I totally missed that." You know, she'll send me a contract. Hey, I just want you to review it. Really, you want me to review a contract? I'll read it. I'll make a couple of notes, but I think you're the one that's going to read it. You know, I'm, I'm I'm the one that's you know, let's 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 paint the picture. Let's move the team in this direction. Let's let's do the interviews. Let's let's do all that. So it's really important to have a well-balanced team so that your business and your company is well-balanced and not, you know, heavily sided to one way or the other. Yep. Um, so, so you saw your business, you, you, you got into the wholesaling, then you moved into multifamily, you spent money on education. How important is it to get educated?
1: So I think it's super important. Um, I think having a mentor is really important too. Um, so you know, discipline is 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 a learned thing. I think for for a lot of us, right? We're all capable of being disciplined, um, but we're also all capable of being really lazy and and <laughs> letting all discipline go out the window, right? Um, so you know, one thing about being self-employed running your own company is that you don't really have anybody to answer to especially if you are a one man or one woman show you literally have nobody to answer to maybe a spouse or family or something right Mm -hmm. um but Um, you know, mentors, I think are really great in helping you understand what you may not be, you know, where you may be lacking in your game at any present moment in time and help give you direction on how you can, can improve. Um, but I think education is incredibly important. Um, and I think that if you're looking to do something, there's a lot of free information out there, you you know, YouTube university, right. Um, live, you know. I, if I wanted to start a t-shirt company, I'm pretty sure I could figure out 80% of it from a Google search and from, from YouTube. Right. Right. But what you're going to lack and what you're going to miss in a lot of those instances, you're going to get the general information, but you're going to miss the details, the nuanced details Mm -hmm. that you need to be aware of. And so Um, just like anything, I think you get what you pay for to a certain extent, right? If you're going to pay for an education program, you're going to pay for a mentor, the objective should not be, I want to find the cheapest one and I want to go with them. But you also can't assume that the most expensive is going to be the best either. You know, you need to interview some people. You need to talk to some people. You need to do some research before you decide what you want to move forward with. Um, you know, the... The multifamily education program that I bought into, I would totally recommend to to other people. I got a ton of value out of that. I can't say the same thing for the house flipping Mm
0: -hmm. guru
1: program that I went to. I can say that that investment was one of the things that led to me being in the industry and making a business out of real estate. That was a step in the process. Um, I don't know that I got my value out of that one where I do think I got my value out of the, the multifamily one. Um, but, you know, for, for the folks out there that are, are sitting there thinking, OK, great, um, get a mentor and, and you're going to now go out and search for a mentor. Don't just assume that because somebody has had success in a space that they are like chomping at the bit to be your mentor and please don't assume that somebody is going to mentor you for free it doesn't matter how successful they are if they're super successful i can tell you that there's about a 99.7 percent chance that they will not mentor you for free sure because they value their time and their time is their most valuable resource, especially if they have money, right? Um, They could lose money, they could make money, it's money, like whatever, Um, but you can never get your time back. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you're gonna reach out to somebody looking for mentorship, be ready to compensate them for their time or be prepared to deliver some sort of value to them, right? If they're mentoring you, they're delivering immense value to you so don't assume that you can just like show up. Right. And deliver yeah, and, and deliver no value back.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we got we got a few minutes left. So if someone was to get started today in multifamily wholesaling something, what do you think their first steps should be? All right. We talked about getting educated, right? So getting educated, learning, learning the ins and outs of the business, getting a mentor, what else would they do? Where else would they go?
1: So I think that that number one, they would need to pick a lane. Mm -hmm. So I screwed this up a lot when I first got started. I would get started in real estate and I would realize like, holy crap, this is hard and this is a lot of work. Maybe there's an easier path to to take. The answer to that is no, right? If you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to, you know, you want to make a career out of real estate investing, be prepared, to take your lumps and it's going to be hard. Um, and be prepared for it. So I think you had mentioned shiny pennies, right? Mm-hmm. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I call that shiny object syndrome. Like so, pick what, whatever avenue you want to pursue in real estate. You can be you can be very successful in any of them, any of them. Just pick it and stick to it. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is do not expect that you are going to know everything about everything before you can do any act, like take any action, right? You are going to need to learn and get comfortable with taking um, what another mentor of mine refers to as imperfect action. Mm -hmm. Get ready to get out there, be okay looking silly, be okay making mistakes, be okay taking your lumps. You will learn from that. The best edu- uh, the best education is action and experience.
0: Absolutely. So I
1: know so many people that get stuck in this. Um, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis. Oh, I've, I've got to make sure that it's perfect before I take action. Like that's never going to happen. It's never going to be perfect. Take action now.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, action is key. You can have all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the tools. But if you're never going to take that hammer and nail that nail into the first piece of wood you're never going to do anything yep and i like that imperfect action absolutely awesome Uh, adam how can people find
1: you so you can so i'm tapped out on facebook um so oh excuse me (laughs) yeah yeah that was that was a subtle flex there right (laughs) um so instagram is a great way to connect with me i am Real estate Adam seven. Um, or you could uh, get in touch with me via my email, which I have right there Adam at three oaks management. Or, yeah, right, that's not even right, Adam at three the number oaksmgmt.com. Awesome, awesome. Hey, man,
0: thank you so much for being on the show. I know you're busy, you've got a newborn, you've got your wife, you've got two businesses that you're running. I want to thank you so much for being here. You gave us some really good information. I know our listeners and people that we know have gotten a lot of uh, a lot of good content from this. And I look forward to uh, doing uh, more deals together.
1: Absolutely. So do All I. Right.
0: And, and guys, next uh, live stream is going to be March 25th. And we've got Yaakov Smart. He's the author of Disrupting LinkedIn. He's going to show you how you can get people from LinkedIn and how you can make money on it. I'm also continuing my BOGO, my buy one, get one for my group coaching. It's happening now, okay? You get two months of group coaching, which happens on Fridays. Uh, we get to call in and you get to ask me questions, all for $36 for two months. That's eight sessions for $36, It's like $4 and change. And the information, just like today, is gonna be worth millions to you. And I've also got running my $7 perfect money raising system so for $7, you're going to get the system that I use to raise money from other people for all of my deals, just like Adam does as well. And I've got my six-week master course. So um, hit us up. Let us know if you want. You can always go to my YouTube channel, Okay, The Traveling Investor. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all those good uh, platforms. Once again, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks to everybody that was uh, asking questions. And we'll see you next week. Uh, and Master Yoda as well. So take care, stay tuned, be well, and I'll see you somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me, Nitan. It was fun. You got it. Thank you. Bye-bye.